Hello, and welcome to the Scuttlebutt Podcast, the show that will make you a better person, help you think more clearly, make better decisions, and earn more money. How do we do that? Every week, I bring you a conversation with a badass vet to explore their unique knowledge. Today is no exception because I'm speaking with Neville Johnson. Neville is the first ex-US vet that I've had on serving in the British infantry and the author of the newly published book, Sangin, Then and Now, published by Dead Reckoning Collective. Shout out to Keith and Tyler for helping bring vet writers to the surface. In this conversation, we talk about the value of family and managing one through chaotic times. We talk about how to handle your personal priorities changing, what true defeat looks like, and how that differs from a change in direction. We also get into finding purpose in things outside of our service. Neville mentions that many people want to ask how many doors you've kicked in, but aren't interested in that next phase of all of our lives. Several big lessons there I'll let him uncover. Two quick things. If you like this episode, tell me. Tag me in a post. Keep sharing those. It means a ton. And you can also go subscribe to the newsletter at scuttlebuttpodcast.co. Get a free weekly drop on breakdowns of the episodes and other interesting related content to keep learning. Please enjoy this conversation with Neville Johnson. the thing that you are the most proud of? That's another great question. Um, I would say my family. I'm proud of my family. The fact I've got three beautiful young kids and an, an amazing wife. And um, yeah, they've been through a lot with me. Um, and I would say, yeah, I'm the most proud of, of just them, you know, of what my young kids are, um, and what they've achieved. Um, and, and what they've been through over the last few years with all the COVID restrictions, lockdowns, and yeah, I'm just proud of my little family. Um, of, of, of all the other things I've achieved in, the, in, in life, I would say I'm mostly proud of this my young family. Um, it's, it, it made me um, a better person. It made me rich in, in, in many ways I thought I would never be. Um, in what ways, uh, if you don't mind me asking? Um, Brought me happiness, which I don't always show. Um, it, it made me feel full. It, it, it's um, it filled my my cup, so to speak. It it, it made me want to get up in the morning. It um, it made me or was making me want to be a better dad, want to be a better husband, a better partner. Um, it's it's a it's a moment that I I know that I'll, I'll never achieve again. That's really fantastic. I hear very similar things and kind of a an extra important topic in my life right now. My uh, wife and I recently just found out that we are pregnant and have got our oh. first firstborn on the way. And um, it's yeah, it, it really is. It comes at a time too when we were really deep in discussion about whether we even wanted kids to begin with, and everybody I talked to said, you know, it's this different kind of love that you just don't really know. And I think that I had a really hard time comprehending what that actually meant. Yeah. Do you, do you think that you believe that? Like, is, is it actually different and is it worthwhile in that way? I would say, yes. I, I mean, many years ago we, we spoke about it and, and we just knew it was what 
it would be the right decision at the time. Uh, obviously, we had no idea that a thing like COVID and and those restrictions and what was going through would, would appear. But at the time, and and still, we um, we feel it, it was the right decision at the time to have a young family to 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 be together. So um, I would totally agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Has there been anything that you have taken away from parenting that you look back on maybe your own childhood and say, oh, this is, I want to do this differently or want to like maybe kind of change a different outcome uh, just based on your experience? Totally. I would say spend more time with your kids. Um, really? I, I wish my old man, he would have spent more time. Um, for whatever reason, that wasn't the, the case. And, and that's taught me to just spend more time with the kids, you know, put your phone down, spend more time with them because there will come to a point where they won't ask you to spend time with them. They won't ask you anymore. They won't ask you to go and throw the ball in the in the park. Um, they won't tap your shoulder and say, Dad, can you please do this? Can you please do that? It will, they will come to a point where they're much older, where they won't want to spend time with you. They would rather want to spend time with their friends. And, and, and I feel it's, it's, it's told me to, comparing to my child, what I've been through, spend more time with your kids, put the phone down, you know, put the devices down and just listen to them and, and build that connection. Um, and also the things that, um, that you do, um, they pay attention to you. They're like, like very small um, sponges, you know, so, so they take in all the things that's occurring in the house, you know, my, um, my demeanor, if I'm grumpy or if I'm happy, you know, so they take it all, all in and that's how they learn. It's not so much in, what I say to them, it's it's more so in my actions, what I do. So they'll copy that. So it's 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 those things that I that I try to implement in trying to be a better dad um, or a better husband, you know, and and fix those things and spend more time because the moments that you that you waste, heck, you're not going to get back. I want to talk about your book a little bit later, but this seems about as apt a time as any to bring up like a specific subject that I had. Uh, I had written down to to ask you about. Yep. You had two poems from your book that really struck a chord with me, and both of them kind of highlight the relationship with your dad. Um, one of them was he was talking about like don't waste time, and then like the very next one you talked about like walking the same path as your dad, like in <laughs> kind of like a I'm guessing kind of a militaristic context. Can you maybe like? expand on on those a little bit and kind of draw that connection with your kids now um yeah for sure it was i think comparing what i've been through and what i'm going through now i just try not to waste any opportunity because i i think back then um i've been through various moments where i felt like it was it was just wasted um i really longed for certain moments certain times to to be with my, my old man and I want him to ask me things, spend time with me. And a lot of times that weren't the case purely because he was either away or working or on operational tours back then. And, and that really stayed with me. Those, those moments, the, the feelings of him not being there, of not spending time with me, of not having that proper father and son relationship, I think um, struck a chord with me. You know, it's, 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 He's been there in, in the past, you know, many, many times. But then comparing those with what I'm going through now is 
is that I want to be there for my son. You know, I want to be there for my for my two daughters. You know, I want to be there for my wife. So um, I'm not saying he was a it was a bad father. I'm just saying I I wanted certain moments, and for for whatever reason, he wasn't there. If it makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because obviously hindsight bias it kind of really gives us a different perspective about things. You look back and you say, oh, this is actually what was really important during this circumstance. But during the moments of just kind of going through life, you're kind of maybe just trying to make it. You're just like, well, I don't have time for that at this moment, whether it be maybe Mm -hmm. your kids, maybe it's a relationship with your family, however that works out. There's a million, usually it's the the emotional kind of relationship driven things that suffer the most in those. How do you think about slowing that down and kind of putting that, that off that you're like maybe getting behind at work or uh, you're giving up other things for something that has much longer duration than whatever the temporary thing is that you need to do. Yeah, totally. It's about it's slowing down. It's, it's about realizing, heck, you know, I've, I've got to make a choice here. Either I go do things that makes me happy and be selfish about it, or I just focus on things that's going to make us happy as a, um, as a family. And, and I think that's crucial. And, and I've learned so much from my own kids um, in things and the things I do, they make me realize like, heck, you know, I need to put my phone down or I need to spend time with them. Um, which is crucial because the time that I that I waste, I'm not going to get back. You know, I remember I was in 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 school. I was very young. I remember a teacher saying that to us, saying, "You know, you're sitting here, you're mucking around. The time that you waste, you're never going to going to get back." And that struck quite, that stayed with me throughout my whole you know life. The fact the things that you're going to waste, if you, you're not going to get back, I will not be, be able to go back in time and say, "Okay." I'm going to then spend time with my son or my daughters or or my wife. You know, it's it's it's, it's a wasted opportunity. Um, I think. Do you take that kind of thought process, and if you had to do it all again, would you change or do something different other than your time in service? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I think if I do. I might not be sitting here. I'll be somewhere else. I think things, I, I will be in a different location with a different person. I think things would have been uh, vastly different. I don't think I would have joined uh, the British Army. Um, if I could, I would go back and give my younger self maybe some tips, advice on on, on things I've, I've been through. Um, on like how to manage money, on um, to just forgive and, and and move on and and don't dwell on on things in in the past if i could but i wouldn't change much because i think um a lot of things i've been through the the ups and downs or most of the downs it's made me rich it's made me um, wiser i think it's really really easy to like compare outcomes between maybe yourself and other people or like uh, a historical or maybe like a, a current hero that you have and like aspire to be. But at, at the end of the day, like the most important thing is like, it, it's your journey and how much different that is. And like the things that you are having to overcome is that that's like the value is that right there. It's not actually this end state of wherever you get to. It's kind of, you couldn't be sitting here today without kind of having gone through that, I guess. 
Oh, totally. It's, it's it's the it's the journey. It's not the end product. You know, it's it's great to to reach and 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 having that trophy or the medal, the book to show. But it's 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 the journey. It's getting there. It's going through the basic training. If um, it's it's going through um, the hardship and it's the journey. It's it's not so much the end result. You know, it's me going through parenthood and it's difficult. It's hard work, but you have to put in the the hours with the kids and the and the family to to make it work. You know, but it's the journey because in the end, my wife and I will be sitting there hopefully, and the kids will be out the house. They've grown up and they've moved on. You know, and that's why for me it's so crucial to enjoy each and every moment yeah with them. And to cherish those those moments, and to be there for them, because it, it's going to be a point where I don't want to sit there and, and, and have regrets, saying, "Oh shit, I should have spent more time with them. I should have done this. I should have done that." You know, that's what I want to avoid. But yeah, it's the journey. It's it's going through that all those different chapters in my life, all those different books, all those different um, characters, all those different moments. You know, it's this it's the journey that that makes you. You had this really interesting Instagram post that I I really enjoyed and have looked come back to and looked at several times. It's like this uh, kind of collage of different photos of you like throughout time, and it's yeah. like talking about exactly what you're saying. You're kind of like who you are at each one of these individual places, and kind of each person is fighting kind of something different, you know, mm. externally, internally, all of that. Yeah, it's totally, it's it's different characters, you know, from a you could say from a from a book or or a film, and it's it's different. It was a different me back then, you know. Um, the person that I was in in when I grew up was different, you know. It's, it's um in a character in when I served in the defense force, you know, and and the person I'm I'm now in the single never, and it's all different characters in the book, you know. Um, went through this journey and and still going through a, a, a journey, but it's all these different characters. Um, in the uh, in the past, yeah. Is there a specific trait or part of your life that you think has changed the most? Because obviously we've got all of these different characters, but there's kind of like maybe you start out with A through Z and then maybe you change a letter and add a different one and like the next one and you kind of have like some residual things that are like consistent throughout. And I'm kind of curious if there is an area maybe that, and maybe take the inverse of that question too, is there something that is still the same about you throughout all of that? And, or what has changed that, you know, kind of got dumped off early on in the process? I reckon the biggest change is the person that, uh, I would say the biggest change was um, the person that stepped on that plane that left South Africa to the person I'm I'm now. Um, still the same name, same face, maybe a bit older, a bit more gray hair, but very naive, very shy, very quiet, introvert, um, caring. I'm still caring, but that life experience of stepping on the plane, living abroad, um, serving for queen and country back then, that changed me a lot. I'm not saying that that it made me a bad person, but there was a significant change. But I think it's more so the life experience that brought that that um, that I experienced 
again, you know, living abroad, going by myself, that was the the biggest change. It, it may be a, a bit wiser, but I think with the my short seven years in the army, that's that's changed a lot as well. Um, but that was expected, you know, the fact that I, I left and I knew that I ne- there was there wasn't any way going back. Uh, you know, um, it was. I think it was. It would have been foolish to think that I would stay the same person, um, the 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 same character. You know, I knew it was it was time for for a change, and I I knew that um, I would go through this journey of of change. But I think yeah, the the person that they they knew my family, my mom, my dad, is is, is, is a different person now. Um, mm-hmm. Much wiser, a lot of life experience, being through a lot. Um, yeah, so I think that is the the biggest change. It's interesting that you are so aware of the fact that you are going to undergo change. I I was very very arrogant when I joined the Navy, and I. I, I feel like I don't think anything was going to change. Like I was kind of like looking for this, this kind of higher purpose, but I was kind of anticipating that I would be a little bit of the, you know, the same person, but just kind of, yeah. you know, a, a different job, so to speak. You also joined a little bit later though. So maybe that kind of, I joined at 21 and I, I think I had yeah. the year that you joined at 26. So yeah, correct. you had a little bit more life perspective, maybe about kind of uh you had already gone through that kind of uh maybe the young young uh, arrogant man stage <laughs> there yeah it definitely helped i think you know because i was 26 i was always in my intake in my in my um platoon section you know and our training um staff uh, he was i think we were the same age but that definitely helped hell of a lot you know the life experience the, the maturity helped a lot but um i think for me at that stage i was ready i knew things would, would change and it's going you know, and, and it would change rather quickly and at a, at a rapid rate of knots and and um and i thought okay i'm, I'm ready let's go you know um even though week one day one of basic training i knew things would change and i was accepting of that because i could i remember the changes in my in my dad when he went to um you know on his opera, operational tours in the, in the in the South African, you know, border war and come back and over the years, you know, and and, and I was I knew I would change, but I've, uh, I welcomed the change. I thought, you know, that's what I wanted. You know, I joined for specific reasons, and I thought I want that. Bring on the change, um, and I just went for it. What do you think that you were after changing the most? Was it just kind of like a, a work ethic thing? Was it a values? Was it like maybe aspirational of kind of like maybe living up to dad's shoes? Um, well, I always wanted to, to follow in, in his footsteps. You know, when I, I grew up, I remember seeing him in the uniform and it's the uniform that, that stood out, the fact that he served in the South African police. Um. And it was like looking up to a, a big idol, a Euro. It, it just that image in of him in the uniform. Um, and I knew that was what I wanted to to copy. And um, and I felt there was a, there was a sense of, of purpose in that sort of dream in that um, that I wanted to um, to follow. 
you have any other heroes that you maybe look up to other than him? Um, growing up, I had there was um, I was very much into into weightlifting and, and bodybuilding growing up purely because for me it was a a way of um, working on my self confidence because it's 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 a um, it's a sport where it's just you uh, you don't have to rely on on anyone else you don't have to go and work together as a as as a team you know just yourself. And, and, and I was more than happy to to do that, you know, very introvert, very shy. So I would go into the gym, train all day, and I got into bodybuilding and I looked up to all the um, sort of, you know, um, famous bodybuilders at the time. And I think Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, was one of them, you know, looking up like, I wanted to be like him, you know, but I think that was a dream that I knew I would never um, ultimately reach, you know, that, that was quite high, you know, um, but I just loved going in and training and 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 yeah and try to to copy certain traits or certain um things that that he achieved in the in the past but I, deeper down i knew joining the the british army that was a, a ultimate you know the ultimate sort of dream because i felt like yeah there was a sense of um of purpose and there was uh, a duty that I, I had to go in and and, and follow how do you think about hero selection now and maybe your interests and kind of priorities have changed uh, quite a bit, especially taking on a family. And when you have mouths to feed that are reliant on you, uh, it kind of brings it into, into reality and check there. Um, who, who do you look up to now and how do you think that we ought to go about finding those people that are actually worth looking up to vastly different nowadays there's not a specific one person i look up to and i want to try and copy this there will be a variety of people that i would then look at and see what they've achieved and how they've um, overcome certain problems whether it be mental health whether it be physical whether it be spiritual whether it be um work ethic and um, career-wise so then if there's certain people um personnel in that field I will then look at how they've achieved that. You know, what did they do to overcome that? Whether it be parenting, you know, I'll be looking at maybe um, people that's a dad, and then what they do to to be better at that, you know, job. You know, it's a job. It's a, to be a better dad. You know, so there's not one specific person that I look up to, and I say, and I think that's my idol, that's my hero. There would be um, maybe a group of people, or that I think that I might try to copy because um, I think because they obviously successful and, and they've achieved it by doing certain things. So then I'll try to copy those things or mold it and change it to suit me, you know, in, in, in my daily routine, you know, how can I be better at my job at work? How can I be a, a better dad, you know, and, and focus on, on those things to be um, successful. So it's not a specific person that I look up to and think I would like to meet them. Um, thinking now what I would like would I like to meet Arnold Schwarzenegger it might be nice but if I don't no big deal you know um because there's the the old saying don't you don't want to meet your your euros you know because you, you might be I feel like laid down um so and, and I don't want that dream to be broken you know that boyhood dream of growing up looking at him and because I remember sitting in my mom's in my dad's house growing up at this big book uh, i think it was called the encyclopedia of modern bodybuilding 
And I would spend hours there looking at the pictures. You know, we had no internet then. I had no mobile phone, no nothing. And I would just look at this picture and study and think, how can I develop the same chest muscles and, and the back and delts and biceps and triceps? How can I be successful? And I would spend hours trying to um, do the same, um, be successful. And I think, okay, cool. In order to be successful in that, I need to go to Venice Beach. And that was a dream that I, that I had. I thought, okay, cool. I'm going to go to Venice Beach. I'm going to go work in Gold's Gym, work in Venice and in World Gym, you know, back then, you know. And and I had a, a game plan that I wanted to to follow. And, and when I left South Africa, it was purely to go to America. And somehow the universe steered me away from that towards um, the UK, you know. Um, so nowadays, no, it's not just one one particular person. It's it's a variety of of, of people. So I would look into how to be a better parent, and I would go and seek that out. Um, yeah, I think that that don't meet your heroes piece is such good advice because a lot of times when we see somebody who is at the top of their craft in a certain area, maybe it's Arnold, maybe it's another famous bodybuilder. They may be their, their top 1% of that thing, but behind the scenes, the sacrifice that they've sacrificed, probably that other 99% of the things yeah. in their life, maybe that's their relationships or, whatever their sleep, their health, what, uh, you know, whatever it may be mm. to get to this top 1%. And those are like, ironically, the people that we look up to, but in reality, we wouldn't want to model after them at all, just because that it's unrealistic and kind of some more balance to your life is maybe more admirable. Yeah, maybe. Totally. <laughs> exactly. I mean, thing is that there's, there's many things uh, I, that is done and that, that I would not want to do. Uh, but yeah, I think looking up, it's it's definitely helped me to to reach personal goals and dreams. And it's it's, it's helped hell of a lot, but I think deeper down, uh, it, it wasn't the, um, the the main goal and the main dream, you know, it, it definitely helped, it definitely steered. But again, there was one character, there was one, you know, I was young back then, um, I had these big dreams and, and I've changed over the years, you know, living abroad, working abroad and, and learning the hard way that definitely helped. And I, I, um, I thrived on that, you know, and, um, and I loved it. And it's, it's, it's made me a, a much, um, wiser and a better person. What do you think about your goals changing over time? I think that like, I know just in the, the few years that, I have kind of considered myself a functioning responsible adult. Uh, yeah. My goals have changed and sometimes like it, it feels like you're maybe giving up on them, but it, it's a tough thing to square because it kind of feels like you're turning your back on something. Was there like a particular moment that you realized that like bodybuilding wasn't going to be your thing? You were talking about the universe kind of guiding you to, Oh yeah, what yeah. your next what your next mission was? Oh yeah, totally. It was. I think at, at that stage when I, I realized I couldn't get into the into America. Well, not couldn't. It was it was difficult then because I left South Africa in was in two thousand, and and going to to Europe or going to to the UK was easier. And I think because because it was difficult, not impossible. Because it was difficult, that 
I thought, okay, well, it for me, it back then I thought, oh, that's impossible. You know, that's a big hurdle. I can't get over it. I don't have enough self-confidence. And I thought, no, no, it's, it's just too difficult. I'm going to look, look away. I'm going to maybe try to, to go to the UK and from there going to the States, you know. And I think it was that specific moment that, that sort of, there was a, a, a guiding light way source that, that steered me away that I thought, um, is well thinking back now it was it was it was good that that it happened that way um that steered me away from that because i went over to the uk and experienced um a lot there um trying to find a job trying to pay the rent you know learning the hard way and and, and that helped me a lot a lot but yeah um that it was, it was that moment that the universe powers to be steered me away from that and said, go over to the UK. Cause I thought going over to the UK and then from there going over into the States would be um, easier. And, and, and um, but it was that bit that, that it was difficult. So I thought oh, it's difficult. I, I can't do it. And, and so instead of getting over the hurdle and working harder and finding ways to get there, I didn't. Because I thought it's just too difficult. So I thought I'll put that in the too hot basket and then move on and go over to the UK because it's 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 easier, you know. And and I, I had friends there and I thought, cool, uh, um, they would be able to help me and guide me. But you know, you get there and they help you for a little bit, but you still have to struggle by yourself and find things and so find your way and find what works for you. It's such a difficult balance thinking about the traditional wisdom of what everybody says to be great at something to kind of pursue what you think may be your destiny or your goal or whatever you want to call it. You just got to pound the pavement and go hard at it and be willing to give everything up and just block everything else out. And that certainly, I, I think that that's true, but along the way, there are these interesting life paths that kind of open up along the way. and some of which may be even actually better than the the path that you're currently down, but you have to actually be open to seeing them. Like if you're just so kind of narrow-minded and it's, I hate even saying narrow-minded because it takes a tremendous amount of discipline to do that, to just focus on your one thing. But I guess my question there is how do you think about being diligent and pursuing your goal while maintaining an open mind to new opportunities. Well, I would say that you know, um, yeah, it was great going through all those challenges and ups and downs, but yet I had to pick the things that worked for me, you know, that that would help me on my way. Um, and it was it was going to the over to the UK. That was the thing that that sort of helped me. And and, and then I would then pick. Well, I picked things that would would be suitable for me that would work for me at the time. And, and, and I think that time spent there helped hell of a lot. And it made me wiser. It, it gave me a life experience, the fact that I had to do everything by myself, you know. And um, and I think had I gone over to America straight from South Africa, it would have been much different, you know. Um, but I think the path that I, that I followed, that I walked on, um, it was worth it. You know all the ups and downs, all the times where I struggled with to 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 find a job and to budget the money, and that that definitely um, that was a, a phenomenal experience. Just just living abroad there and, and living that life, and and um, 
and growing richer. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons a lot of people join the military is for this, you know, to travel, particularly in the Navy, everybody says that they want to travel and, and, you know, see new places or whatever. But I think that the more underrated part of the travel that you get to do is the exposure that you get to new ways of thinking. Coming to a new country as a young man, I can't imagine the amount of just bombardment like mentally that you're probably going through to just new ways of living new ideas new ways of dressing like everything i'm sure was completely new to you and and that's it's kind of overwhelming because it makes you rethink like well what about all of this stuff that i've just grown up like believing so and, and holding so true it kind of um i think that that's good for for people Oh, totally. For me, it was um, sensory overload. You know, when I when I started my basic training, because um, I left South Africa in two thousand and I went over to the UK, worked in 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 London and in those places. And it was in two thousand and three that I joined. So it was, yeah, I was still very much new to living abroad. And but then joining up, it was sensory overload. It was a different culture, um, even though they they spoke English. Um, it, all with different accents, you know, and in my training staff, uh, they were, I think, from a Scottish, uh, Scottish regiment, you know, so I had to really focus hard in trying to understand what he's saying and yelling and, and you had to do things fast paced because it's, you know, it's basic training. So it was sensory overload, you know, the, this, this whole environment, you know, but I wanted to be there and I knew that I would be successful deep down. I knew and I welcomed the hardship. I welcomed all the crap times, all the crawling and running and, craw- and, and crawling in dirt and and all the press-ups and all the running and endless hours on the ranges. You know, I welcomed with open arms because I felt I was at home. Uh, I, it was it was home for me. It was it was a place that I knew I wanted to be, and I knew it would only be a small fraction of my time. You know in the defense force or in the army and and um yeah it was definitely uh, it was a lot to take in but then again I, I welcomed all the all the difficulties all the all the hardship that they um that was thrown at me at the time were you accustomed to a state of kind of general discomfort already before you got there yeah Definitely, it's it's those. It was it was the couple of years before um, being exposed to having to do everything by myself. Um, who to trust, what to do, where to go, what to do. Before that, I I had that support in place. I I had that around me. But going over, it was it was either you do it or and and be successful and and have a meal tonight or. If you don't pay your rent, you're going to be on, on the on the street, you know. Um, and I've had many times where um, the the owner would then knock on the door and say, "Well, if you don't pay rent, you know, I'm I'm going to boot you out because there's other people that want accommodation, you know." And I thought, "No worries, great, I'll work." And after my shift, I'll, I'll I'll pay you. I'll pay you at the end of the week. You know, you're not going to kick me out. You'll get your money. And um, and I never um, I never placed myself in that position of well be kicked out you know um i always worked hard to to get that done and to be 
successful, but I learned the hard way, you know, um, it, it, it was difficult, but it, it, it made me, it made me wiser, so to speak. That level of discomfort, as you call it, or kind of just being hungry, kind of in another way of like, you are on the edge of destruction, sort of, mm-hmm. and it's unbelievable how big of a motivator that is, is like, you know, if this, if this ends up kind of coming to fruition, it's going to be really, really bad. And it's shocking to me the things that you're capable of physically and mentally when you know that the alternative is really, really not good. Oh, yeah, totally. The thing is, I had, um, for me, there was no other way. There was no, there was no, um, you know, plan B. There was no second option. I, I, I thought to myself, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to take one step at a time. I want this and I'm going to go in, you know, and achieve it. You know, in the back of my mind, I knew that after the six months, I'll be finished with basic training and I'll move on to my unit. You know, for me, it, that, you know, failing, giving up, that was an option. I knew I'm going to push through this, you know, and, and uh, I watched various other people around me, you know, giving up, um, crying um failing and um and i pushed through injuries and i thought i'm not going to be back squatted where i'm going to be pushed back and spend seven months there and i um just take one day at a time and push through for me it was no other option i'm i'm going to get through this i'm going to it was a drop in ocean it was i knew that i'll be there for a short time and then the rest of of my time will be once I, you know, hit my um, the ground with my unit, and I knew that that's when things would would start. You know, um, for me, yeah, there was no other other. I had no plan B. For me, it was plan A: get through this, uh, be successful in this, pass basic training, and then move on. How do you think that we can keep that sort of mentality, even when we're maybe not in that position? Like I thinking about coming up on being a dad, like I want to be as hungry as I am now and not get kind of complacent when it comes to like providing for my family and like taking care of that. Is there any thought process or way that you think about continuing kind of to kind of strive for big things? Yes, there is. It's uh, things nowadays. It's, uh, I have to, I think, slow down and, and, make sure that my cup is full, that that I'm well mentally, um, physically, that that I'm in a good space because I've got my young kids looking up to me and and, and I need to be in a good a good space. And it's great just, you know, giving to um to others and, and helping and telling my kids to do this and at work, working with 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 youth and young kids. But I need to slow down and stop and fill my cup first, you know, and, and work on on my mental health and 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 my physical well-being because how the hell can i help others if i if i can't help myself you know so i would make sure that my nutrition is is good at times it's going to dip down and then when i notice hang on i'm eating this bag of chips or i'm eating chocolate i need to okay go back off but now everything in moderation you know so i would then back off and then readjust and then back onto my healthy eating habits you know and then i would make sure i spend time in the gym if it's you know twice or three times a week um at times it's difficult, you know, I might find myself, oh, I don't want to get up. I want to, I want to stay in bed, 
but then I would force myself and then get in the gym and then I would have the best workout or I would make sure that I spend time reading or I spend time with my kids and I slow down. So I, I need to look in, fill my cup before I can help others, you know. And back then when I served in the, in the army, it was different. It was only me that I had to worry about, you know, working on me and, and, and getting through. And I, I had an end goal that I wanted to, to reach. Um, but nowadays it's, it's having to slow down and, and, and look inward okay and say okay cool my cup is it's almost empty i need to stop fill it up look at my nutrition am i sleeping enough am i resting enough um what's my mental health like you know and if it's dipping down i need to pay attention to that and, and get that fixed you know it's ironic a lot of the things that you mentioned are a lot of many people would say like oh you know i don't have time for that and it's like, well, I, I work two jobs and I've got a family to feed and, and all of these things. But, and they, yeah, the, the sacrifices that we make to take care of those around us are often the things that even allow us to continue operating. It's the sleep, it's your nutrition, it's staying physically fit. Like you have to have those things before you can even go out and, and think that you're going to do those things well. I totally it is you know and, and I've noticed that if I don't look after myself and then what goes wrong is not so much for me but my kids I can see it in my kids if I don't spend enough time with them you know if I if I'm grumpy you know they notice and there's a a a, a massive change in the whole environment the whole vibe it's it's just off you know and and that that just breaks me because they don't don't deserve that you know um they want their dad and if I'm grumpy, if I'm in a, in a bad mood, I don't, I, a lot of times don't realize that, you know, so my wife, she will realize that she will, she will, she, she notice, she, she sees that. And then she, she say, well, if, just go to bed. No, you tired. You, you know, um, not just, tired. Uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. I'm not tired. I'm not grumpy. I'm, I'm good, man. It's not me. It's you. I mean, sorry. I'm okay. I'm, it's, it's not me. I'm, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm fine. And then she will just sit there with her eyes like dinner plates, you know. And, and then, and then I realize, oh shit, it is me. But then I'm just too stubborn to admit that. And then I'll say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm fine. And I'm there, tr trying to. Like, well, then I'll say to her, I'm not going to stand here and justify that I'm fine. You know, it's not, it's, it's not me. It's not me. And then she won't say a word. And then I, I realize, heck, it is me. I need to just go to bed. I'm tired because I've been up since three in the morning because I went to the gym and I trained. I had a great session. I had a great day. It was a busy day. It was productive. But then it's my kids when, because I get, and I'm just, then I'm flat and then my cup's empty and I'll just sit there. And um, we've, I've picked them up from school and then I'm, I'm close to empty. I just want to sit and just get my head down and just sleep, you know, but that's when I need to be there. I need to take them to the park to kick the ball, to, to go to the playground and focus on them and their homework, you know. And then when my wife gets home, it's even worse, you know. Um, so, so, yeah, it's looking inwards. It's 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 just putting in the time, putting in the effort. It's funny. You look back at a lot of those times when you're somebody like your spouse or friend or somebody in that same sort of like closeness to you, is kind of pointing out like, oh, no, you know, maybe you're not okay. And probably any time that you're 
jumping to justify like, oh, you know, you're probably because the clear headed calm you is probably going to stop and think for a second about like, okay, take an account. Am I okay? How am I feeling? Recognize, oh, I didn't get good sleep last night, whatever. But if you instantly jump on that, that defensive thing, that's probably not a good sign. Uh, ex- exactly. And, and that, that that happens a lot, you know, then I, I would have to physically remove myself. And then, or there's been a few times, then something might happen. And then I say to my, okay, um, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to go to bed now. And then, then she says, says yeah, good idea. You know? And then it's fine. And then, but they, I've been in, in, in a situation where I don't go to bed and you know? then I would stay in there and I would try and argue, trying to, justify things and i'm fine i'm fine i'm good and then it just goes from bad to worse you know and then when i go to bed i'm in bed and i'm thinking oh shit what have i done you know and and then i have a bad sleep and i wake up in the morning and then we don't talk i don't say anything then it's and then it's it's a bad start for the day but yes those moments where i have to physically remove myself say okay I'm, i'm off to bed um it's me you know, but then I'm just too stubborn, you know, to to actually point the figure inwards. And but I deep down I know it's me, because I'm I'm tired. I, I, my cup is empty. I need to fill my cup. I need to get some rest, or just uh, readjust and think. Well, is is it a good idea to get up early every morning, or can I just get up very early, say twice a week, you know, and spend the other times with my family and making sure my kids that they've got their dad, their their, their dad's not half asleep or grumpy or, or just, you know, just full of nonsense, you know. It's funny. I'm imagining from a parenting perspective too, you, your kids are like, you're putting them down for, for bed or a nap or something. And they're just screaming and crying, like, I'm not tired, you know, like, and you're like, oh yeah, you are. And it's funny because yeah. we're the same way. It's like, exactly. That's the adult version of like, oh, I don't want to take a nap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, and then when they go to bed, they just fall asleep instantly, you know. But but you know yeah. that they're tired, you know, because they get all grumpy, you know, and and, and then they fight because my my boy will then tease his younger sister, you know, and um and they will end up fighting, you know, and and they won't listen. And I say, well, it's, it's good. Maybe you should go to bed. Or someone's tired, you know. We say that a lot. And they was, like, I'm not tired. I'm not grumpy, you know. But then I'm exactly the same. Um. So yeah, it was just yeah the the adult version of it. I think that there's a lot of interesting ways that we can kind of intervene in our own lives because we almost have to find ways to predict how we're going to act and like kind of do something to counter it when we're, when we're thinking clearly. Um, I know something that I have had a lot of success with is if I start to get frustrated or kind of need a reset, I will go. Um, I, I probably take like two or three walks a day. And like, we'll just go and like, go for like a 15 minute walk just around the block. And for some reason that kind of like gets you like a new baseline, gets you like kind of realizing where you are kind of emotionally. Am I, am I thinking clearly? Am I tired? What do I need to, because we're a lot of times taught to just kind of keep charging forward without much mental account for if we're going to operate at a hundred percent or not. Yeah, I told you, I found late, lately, um, ever since, you know, um, I moved from the UK over to New Zealand, you know, I find that I operate 
better, I work better, I'm a better person if I get out there and I do some type of cardio, some type of uh, reflecting. And for me, it is when I go for a, a big walk, you know, an hour or hour and a half, you know, and I can reflect, I can then spend time with nature, you know, breathing the the fresh air um, and then just reflect on on everything and then just spend time with me and then and, and recover and re- regroup and and focus and then I'm a better person. I operate better. But you know, like when I served in the in the army, it was full charge. It was it was nonstop, 24-7. You're always on edge, always something happening. You can never really fully relax. You know, I could just many times I could feel my shoulders all tensed up. I could never fully just relax. And I, I I'm having to ever since I've left the army having to force myself just to slow things down. And I can feel like my shoulders, it's always been tight, you know, the, the tension in my neck, my doubts, it's its always there. And I'm having to slow down and think I can slow down, just relax and I can feel the tension just ease. So having to go for these walks, having to, to look inward and reflect on, on the good things, the bad things, on things I want to do, things I haven't done and how I can fix things and, and, and all those things, it, it definitely helps so much. Mm-hmm. When I talked with people that are still in the service, there is kind of an ongoing conversation about the mental health of people that are in the service. And like, it is absolutely no mystery to me why it's such a struggle because there really isn't, that isn't talked about. It's not encouraged. It's not, and and in some respects, I get it like there is a certain level of kind of readiness and meeting the mission requirements that have to be there. But when it comes to that kind of like off time, when there never really is off time, it it doesn't surprise me that uh, there's such a struggle with that. Uh, Yeah. For for me personally, um, it was never spoken about even when, when, you know, um, on my two deployments to Iraq, on my one deployment to to um, Afghan, it, it was never spoken. It was it wasn't a thing that I think uh, it's um, yeah. It was it wasn't spoken about. It wasn't something that they would say, okay, go and see a therapist if, um, or see a doctor or, or see someone or let's talk about it. The sit down. It it wasn't a thing. You know, you would rather want to go and, and have a few beers with your with your your mates. You know, it's it, it wasn't a thing that. That was worked on or, or looked at. It wasn't uh, even a topic back then. You know, maybe nowadays it's different, but for me, it was it was nonstop. You know, if if you're not working hard, you're playing hard. You you know, in the in the accommodation, drinking with your with your friends, um, or you on the range, you know, um, zeroing your weapon system and ready for the for the next um, operational tour or. Or for the next exercise, you know, it, it wasn't something that, um, that they encouraged at all back then. You've talked about your start writing while on deployment and and kind of the evolution of that in, in other interviews. Would you attribute writing as a big part of like you figuring that out for yourself? Yes, yes. Um, when I when I did when I did that, it was at the time it was just too too long down certain events. 
but then subconsciously it turned it into something so much bigger, you know, and it, it was a explosion of emotion of thoughts and feelings on, on paper that um, I had no idea where it came from. And, and um, thinking about it, um, it was a good thing. It was, it was a release. It was, um, it was a big help um, back then. Um, and, and I wished that I, that I've done more of it, you know, looking back over the seven years, I should have done more of it like a journal, but again, anything like that, it wasn't encouraged. It wasn't dis uh, discussed. It was because when I started that, it, it was something that I kept to myself. I kept it quiet. Um, and, and after I filled that, that journal, uh, I've, I, I placed that in a shoebox and I left it for, for, for many years. Um, but yeah, I wish that, that I've done it. It, it, it was done more often, but for, for, for whatever reason, um, it, it wasn't. You've talked about your experience when you kind of answered the call from Dead Reckoning Collective to submit your work to that. I yeah. know I, I have to imagine that there was some hesitancy around doing that, you know, kind of fear of putting your work out there, fear of just probably countless things and, and doing things publicly is very hard just in general. You're kind of open to criticism and I don't know, kind of with anything, fear of maybe looking dumb to some respect too. Looking back, how crucial do you think that being public with your work has been to maybe your improvement as a writer and or maybe the the publishing of your book? Um, yeah, it was it was really difficult um yeah but it was crucial because it's it's taken me on a, on a path that i i i dreamt of um to get out there in the, in the limelight but i always had this you know low self-confidence thinking no i can't do it it is too difficult um but then people would see it in me but i won't see it in myself but then it gave me exposure to um improving that craft working with keith from dead reckoning collective and um it's it's still you know i've, I've improved somewhat but there's there's so much more to improve so much more to, to to work on and it's taken me outside my comfort zone it's taken me to a place that i knew would improve me as a as a writer it would help me but i for me it was Again, it was something that I placed mentally placed in the too hard basket. I'm not going to even try, but it's it, it's taken me to a place that I'm grateful now that I, that I've been there. Because I remember when I submitted the the initial um, uh, poems to them, because they they put out a, a email or an, an ad for for veteran writers to submit or put in um, poems for their second anthology of poets. Um, worry poets and um again there was this this instant connection this this instant yeah i can do that and i did it i wrote the the three poems and but it sat in 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 the email and all i had to do was just click send but i hesitated i thought no it's i can't do it you know they're gonna laugh at me and i i, I told no one at that stage you know that um i wrote something in for the fear of being laughed at for the fear of having the stuff out there things that's personal and yeah and, and it's one day at work i thought i, I need to send this um 
And once I clicked send, it was this, I could feel the tension release in my, in my shoulders, in my neck, you know, it was this big release of, okay, it's done. And I felt better. And then I moved on, you know, with, um, with the day. Did you submit those poems to them for the purpose of like thinking that maybe one day I like want to have a book or, or something like that, or was it more personal? Like, Hey, I, this is something that I need to overcome of just like this willingness to kind of like think about failing or, or being scared. I would say a yeah, deep down, it was, it was something I needed to, to overcome, to, to, to put it out there, what I've experienced and, and, and to deal with things and how to deal with things it, it, at that stage, it, it wasn't anything. I had not, no dream or no goal set to, to put a book out. You know, I had no content. I had um, only, you know, the three poems, but I think it was, it was so much more. It, it, it was deeper. I, I had to, overcome something you know put it out there and i think once i've done that then there was again there was an instant it was like an audible click it was something that occurred something happened you know the um and then i thought okay it's gone now and then i thought what else can i write about you know and then i reflect back on what i experienced in in afghan you know and then that's when it all started you know then i started to write more reflect more and then i went back looking for that journal that i kept in afghan um and i think i write yeah i write, I write a few poems in there but it was more about what i experienced what i felt then you know because i i after that tour i left it in a in a shoebox with a couple of photos with my medals and it was locked away it was stored away it wasn't until i think it was in 2019 that i submitted those three poems and then, then i went back and I, and I looked at the journal and that's where it all just it was just this this, this big waterfall of emotion thoughts and feelings and then i just thought okay, i need i need to get this out on paper or on my laptop and then that was the start mm -hmm. it's funny how that like first kind of click of like traction i want to call it but it's like you know you had just submitted or whatever but like it was internal traction it was you feel the gears turning of yeah. progress internal progress uh, was that was it at that time you were like okay it's you know i need to start putting this on paper and like this needs to be a book or can you kind of walk through like your path from getting there to there to you know just last week like the book being published oh well things at, at, at that stage after i've submitted those um all the three poems i thought okay cool it's it's done now and and i couldn't care less if if I received a email saying that they um, won't be accepting the the three poems or the wall, if for me it was it was a release, you know, um, the feeling I had was so much bigger than wanting to to get the the poems, you know, published. You know, for me it was it was bigger, and then I started to to write more, and then for for whatever reason I had the 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 um. um I placed it, it was, or I made it available on, on my Instagram account, you know, and I just thought, okay, I'm just going to put it out, you know, I'm going to write it in, in a book and then put it on my laptop and then type it out and set it up. But then I kept it quite, I told no one, um, it wasn't on my Facebook account. It was super quiet. And then I just started, you know, submitting more and more. And I thought instead of putting out um, things, that's not me, I'm going to put out 
stuff that's me so all these thoughts and feelings all all these bits of poetry uh, i will then put out and then um it wasn't until a british veteran came across my work and then said that he wanted to self-publish a book which um will be a a a collection of of you know stories and poems by british veterans you know do i want to submit work you know and i thought yep I'll do it. Yes. Again, there was audible. I can do that. You know, I feel comfortable with that, you know, um, again, way out of my comfort zone. Cause why do I want to go and put what I've been through on paper and then have it published by, by someone else and putting out photos of me. Um, but I was fine with that, you know, and then, um, I said, yes. And then he, he self-published and then two more books. It was a, a collection called the veteran, the veteran collective. He self-published those books. And then, it wasn't much later than I thought, well, hang on, I could I could put out my own book. I could put out my own things. And, and I looked into the Drickon Collective and then, yep, you know, they published exclusively for veteran writers. You know? But then I thought, hang on, I'm a South African-born um, British veteran now living in New Zealand. Will they even look at my stuff, you know? And then, um, so I went out and I thought, okay, cool. I need to get it all in make sure I got enough content to actually submit, you know, then I, I thought I've got no idea what I'm doing. I need to go and look at the meaning behind the word uh, manuscript. I had no idea what, what that was. You know, I thought there was a script. I thought it's something they use in, in Hollywood movies, you know, but I was, uh, and, and they've got a very strict um, set of guidelines for, uh, for anyone that submits stuff, you know, and um, I looked at that and um, it was, yeah, many hours, um, trying to get the whole thing set up and then i thought okay cool i'm, I'm gonna do this again where it's on my comfort zone um but again it felt right it it, it felt there was this this this, this connection of yep I'm, I'm happy with this you know i felt confident um that i could submit something and it was the same as that initial email you know once i had my manuscript and it was all there and i thought okay i've got enough to 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 make a book Again, it was in my inbox and it sat there for a while, you know, the whole manuscript and, and all the email, uh, all the um, information that, that they required. Again, I could feel my shoulders tense up. I could feel like, you know, the, the, the confidence slipping. So I thought before it slips totally, I need to click send. Click send and I thought, okay, cool, it's gone now. Um, and the rest is history. What do you think is the biggest takeaway that you've had from hitting send there to publishing what do you think you've learned the most um keep moving forward just just keep moving forward and yeah knowing that i'm, I'm gonna get to a stage of i need to make a decision either i do it or i don't and um it's just moving forward getting outside my comfort zone because I, I i knew that i won't grow in my comfort zone I'll, I'll grow and experience things outside my comfort zone. And, and that's exactly what occurred, that exactly what happened that I've I moved on and, um, and not hesitate and, and knowing that I have the, um, the ability to do things because it's, it's happened my whole life where people would see it in me. They would see I would have the capability or the ability to do things, but for whatever reason, I won't see it in myself. Um, and, that's a thing that that I hate, but then I moved on from from that. It's it's about just just do it, you know. Just 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 click send, 
if, if you're unsuccessful, so what? Who cares? Just try again. Um, and I had stuff that I submitted to them on other occasions, you know, which they declined. You know, I submitted stuff to other publications, which got declined, you know, and I thought, okay, I'm going to keep those emails so I can look back and, and I can see, okay, cool. Yep. I've got these things that got declined, not accepted, but I've got other things that, that they accepted. Um, it just having to have the, the guts just to push through and to just move forward once at a time. It certainly seems to me that there is a direct correlation between personal growth and the willingness to be uncomfortable. Yeah. You really need to be okay with hurting and feeling embarrassed, like, and drawing to kind of like the physical analogy of like physical fitness, like growing muscle, it's hurts. Like you come back from a workout and you physically hurt yeah. And in the same way, like working through publishing work, especially creative stuff where you guys must have gone through hundreds of revisions on the book, I'm guessing. Oh, yeah, loads. I mean, the, um, yeah, I submit initially, I submitted things and, and I worked with with Keith and he's a phenomenal editor. He's a phenomenal person. He helped so much and I've learned so much. Uh, and going through the whole process of explaining to me um, that certain things need to change like titles or uh, certain stanzas that I need to, or that he thought for, for the book, for what would work for me and for them and for us need to change or taken out or I had to, you know, uh, rewrite a few stanzas or then he would say, um, the next four or five poems would need to go, you know, and it was, it was, yeah, it was a very interesting, um, time because you, you would have all these things all these thoughts feelings stuff that's personal to you and someone else is looking through it and telling you not this one not that one we'll keep this one i love this one this one's great this line needs to be replaced we need to you need to rewrite this or how about we just take it out completely you know and to change things up and then obviously there's there's a a a, a reason behind the you no know, uh, the the changes. It was, yeah, it was a very interesting um, process to go through, but it, it was phenomenal with, with it, you know, and, and, and looking back, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's been, been a great journey. Well, my hat is off to you. I really enjoyed reading it. I am certainly no literary critique or uh, <laughs> know much about that space, but <laughs> I, I really enjoyed reading it and it, it, it reads like a novel to me, like there's a very clear progression and like kind of this journey that you're, you're brought on through the whole thing. And I, I really enjoyed it. So I'm very thankful. And I'm sure many of the listeners who have also uh, read it will be thankful for you being willing to push send on that. Uh, I appreciate the kind words. Um, yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. It was a, uh, it's an, it's a great feeling and a weird feeling at the same time, knowing that, my words, my experiences, it's, it's out of my hands and it's now available, you know, in the world. It's, it's, it's gone. It's not mine anymore. It's, it's, it's out there, you know? Um, but again, it's all of that is way outside my comfort zone. You know, it's, it's sometimes I think it's not me. Many times I want to uh, revert to being quiet, being shy, staying in my lane, not bother anyone and just do my own thing. But then again, what kind of life is that? Um, so uh, yeah, thank you. 
want to kind of start to close out the conversation and hear about some of your work now. You are working with uh, a high school program, taking kids that are maybe in a disadvantaged area or home life and helping them, growing them, teaching them. Can you kind of explain what you do there and, and why that's important? Sure. The, the last um, seven years I've been working with um, with youth, high school kids, and uh, and a program. It's, it's it's a military design program, um, working with some kids that's um, at risk youth, and then you find a minority of kids that they want to use that as a pathway, say, to get into the um, armed forces or police or fire brigade. You know, and um, helping uh, some of these kids because again a lot of them they're from a, a very broken you know home life um been exposed to to alcohol drugs um violence at a very young age and then there's a a, a fraction that they find they could kids they just need some guidance or they want to eventually get into the um defense force or, or police so this program is, is designed for them or for those that want to use that you know but then again, I've um, I've been exposed to some of these kids where they've got no father figure, they've got no they've they've got nothing. They've been exposed to gangs, to violence at such a young age, and and um and they they've they've really struggled, you know. And and I think the programs helped them, or or or, sh- or it's guided them to to show them they do have a choice, you know. Um, they they can resort a, and to a better life than having to stay in you know in in that particular sort of field. So it's uh, the program is, is designed to help those kids or um, help those that want to get into the defense force and police or fire brigade, you know, so it's military designed, there's military history, military fitness. And, and um, so I've been facilitating and running these programs uh, for the last seven years, uh, working with kids ages between uh, starting uh, 14 all the way to, to 17, 18, you know, um, again, something that I never thought I would do working with with high school kids uh instructing and teaching and standing in front of a group and telling them about self-confidence about getting outside your comfort zone and then knowing that this is outside my comfort zone standing in front of a big group and they're judging you and they're looking at you and you're trying to build that that gap trying to build that relationship with them trying to get that trust and which is super difficult with some of these kids because they just block off once they build the brick wall it is so hard to to get over to get to know them because they they might be street smart, but they they don't have the life experience. You know, they 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 put up this this fake persona, this fake front that yeah they 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 toughen all that. But once you break down the wall and get to know them, they just this young innocent kid. They they um they haven't got any self confidence. You know, they um they are afraid, and, but they don't want to show it. And, and, and working with these kids, um, it's taught me a lot, but it's, it's been phenomenal. You said that you would would have been like, never thought that you would have like ended up with with this type of job or, or teaching kids like this. And it's so ironic because you're hearing a bit about your story today and just what I know of you prior, like you're probably the perfect person to do it just knowing like some of these things and and that makes it so much better yeah. like you yeah, know suppose, you can yeah. you can speak to you know you've got that personal experience and, and I have no doubt that they probably hear some of your stories and kind of your learnings and 
have more buy-in into you because of that. Yeah, and, and I think they they see that because they they smart when it comes to um, the street, when it comes to when someone is fake, you know, or if someone is pretending or someone is just, you know, or they're just reading from a book or they're making things up. But as soon as you're genuine and you build that trust, you know, you can, and you can see in the kids, you can see the body language, you know, the, the way they're sitting, the way they're looking. And as soon as you you got them, then I then it's this again the audible click okay cool I've got you I've got your attention you know and then the, just just the way they they talk to you when when they see you before class or after class or in the street you know and um, because on the program they they call me staff Johnson and then I say to them before school after school if you see me in the street or in in, in school just just call me Neville you know but they don't because they they've They've got that respect, and and some of them even years later, um, people that that I taught or instructed, some of these kids, they they've they've got their own kids now, and then when I do bump into them, they still call me staff, staff Johnson, or nothing. No, it's, it's Neville. It's fine. How are you? And then they would cross the road and come and come and see me or, or speak to me, and um, and then some of them try to connect on social media and they would follow me, you know, and it's it's a great feeling. Um, then there's there's some of them that they just refuse to to connect and and bolt and and I think that that's where um, there should be more programs or more help for for those you know but ultimately it's 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 a it's something that I never thought I would do you know um, standing in front of a, a bunch of high school kids you know in a class of say thirty or forty and trying to build their trust trying to get their attention trying to get them to quiet down trying to get them to get stay off their devices, you know, just to sit up straight, to push the chairs in and to go into military drill, to stay in sync or march at the same time. It's it's a hard, hard job, but it's, it's so um, fulfilling in the end, you know, once everything is in place and, and and they do listen to you and you've got that trust and you've got that relationship, you know, but it's it's the hard work in the, in the beginning, you know, but yeah, it, it takes a, a, a special person to, to do that, to build that relationship with them, to to get them to to listen up and and, and pay attention and, and and yeah, they're very street smart and, and they can see through you if 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 you're talking BS and they will they will be the one running the class, not you, or they will just walk out. You know, working with these kids, how much do you think that their outcomes have been tied to their past environments? That they've grown up in well it loads it's massive you know you could see it in the whole demeanor you know i've worked with with some kids that have been exposed to to weapons uh that, that that's seen violence that's seen other people getting shot you know and then when you see the change and you see the outcome and it's a good outcome you know and um it is phenomenal you know it just it, it makes me it makes me happy knowing that i contributed a small bit to that person's life you know um because many times in, in the past and and they would go to school but they won't go to any class but mine um and i think for me that's when i've got them engaged they're in school uh they're in a safe environment you know and um but seeing the change and, and see how that affects them in a positive way is 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 phenomenal because all they want is someone just to listen to them all they want is someone they, they can look up to in a positive way um and and um 
and they need that, you know, but, and, and there's not a, a lot of that because once they fall through the cracks and they, and they disappear, that's when they go and they join the gangs because the gangs will, they teach them values, but it's the wrong values. You know, the gangs will, will use them, abuse them and discard them. Um, and that's, it, it's sad. There are some interesting parallels, I think, in thinking about being a product of environment. We've got these kids that are growing up in kind of really bad areas and kind of all it takes is kind of a certain catalyst to kind of unlock like a different path. We were talking earlier about knowing what path to take and you're dealing with people who maybe don't exactly, you know, they don't have control over that yet. And being able to intervene early on in those kids' lives to kind of alter that and show them something different. And I think that that parallels a lot of the military, like your history, Every anybody who's listening, who has served, the military sometimes can be that catalyst, but sometimes there's also a need for an additional thing outside of that where it really, your environment can be a really, really good thing for you, or it can be poor for you mm. as well. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and I think for, for those kids being exposed to that, you know, you can, you can show them, listen, you do have a choice. You don't have to go down that path of gangs, violence, all that, you know, you can go through this path and let me tell you about this. But before I tell you about the actual path, let me tell you what I've experienced, what I've gone through. Let me tell you about my mistakes and I'm going to tell you how to avoid them. So you won't make the same mistake, you know, and, and, and where you, where you are sitting right now, I've been there and I know what, what it feels like, you know, I've been in that situation and let me tell you about this. And then you could see that connection. You can see that, hang on, you've, you've got them, you've got the trust, but then to build the trust, you get the, to get the trust. It's, 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 it's so difficult. If you had to sum up your kind of life's experience, military time with your family, time working with these kids and kind of, boil that down to one big takeaway that we can kind of implement in our lives. What do you think that that would be? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, the one thing that pops up, I would say if there's opportunity that present itself, don't let, let it go by, whether it be good or bad, whether it's from the bad you learn, but if there's an opportunity for you to improve, um, to be a better person, to learn something, go for it. I've, I've had many opportunities in, in my life that I hesitated and I never went for it. And um, I re regret it somewhat, but it's, it's, it's the opportunities that, that's, that went by that I never went for. You know, I was standing there, you could see the opportunity. It was coming, it's, it's approached and then poof, there it goes, it's gone. It's not going to come back. It's not going to present itself again. It's, it's having to take hold of the opportunity and signing up with Dead Reckoning Collective um, working with Keith and Tyler, um, going into the military, working with, with these young uh, kids, with, with the youth. It's opportunities I went for. It's opportunities. It was, it was it's difficult, but you had to put in the time and effort. You, you have to. You have to um, put in the, the time. You have to put in the work. Same with being a parent. You know, it's an opportunity that came in and, and, and I, I went for it. I, I knew it was going to be difficult. It's... Um, but then it's the journey, you know, it's, it's the journey going through it. It's, it's the opportunities that I went for. I thought I'm, I'm going to go for it, you know, 
I'm going to jump on that wild ride and, and it's going to be a wonderful wild ride and, and, and just go for it and learn something. And then the same time, um, tell my kids, um, and again, yeah, they, they learned from me that, that, um, my own kids and then the, the youth I work with again, hopefully they can learn from me. Hopefully they, they, um, they can go on and, and take bits and pieces away, but it's the opportunities. Don't let them go by because once they go, they're gone. I got a couple of questions. I got fielded on Instagram just from sharing any, if you submitted a question, I really appreciate it. Uh, or two that I wanted to hit here. Um, thoughts on the PB Abate book club. Oh yeah. 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 Oh, PBA. Yeah. Little yeah. Shout out to PBA. Yay. Place to be place to be. Um, go and follow them, join them. It's, it's a great organization, especially the book club, especially the book club. What, uh, what are you guys reading right now? What's the, um, something by, uh, was it the author and Hemingway for whom the bell told. Um, so okay. something I've missed the, I think the first two, um, zoom sessions, but that's the, the one that we reading right now. And then every now and again, there's a, um, a zoom session where everyone gets together and discuss, uh, the previous chapters, you know? Awesome. I'll be sure to include a link to that in the show notes. Yeah, another uh, another question from Instagram. This is actually something I usually ask anyway, uh, but so I'm glad that it was asked. What are questions that you wish that people would ask you? That is a good question. Man. Um, There's all the military questions, which is great to ask. And I think we we spoke about this earlier. And, you know, um, a lot of people want to know, you know, how many doors you've kicked in and, and how many rounds you've, you've you've put down range and so forth. But I think it's it's the other things that I think at this stage in my life, it's the things that that make you tick, the things that that makes you happy, the things that that fills your cup, so to speak. You know, um, yeah, it's it's all good and well, you know, talking about you know um, the past, but my military, it, it was a small chapter it was just, it was of my life it was just one of many characters so to speak you know but uh, i suppose it's things that make me tick now in the present you know my family um passions writing and i think it's this it's, it's those things and i think your writing is, is is it's one of the many passions you know working with the young kids um having a family um I would reckon would be would be nice, but I'm I'm not going to shy away if people want to ask about, um, you know, the army and and prior to that. And then uh, one last final question for you. This is coming from me. What can the listeners and or myself do to be useful to you? Ah, oh, useful man. There's again another great question. <laughs> useful. Um, sure. Um, Probably um, <laughs> advertise the book, my book, and advertise Dead Reckoning Collective. That's one. That's yeah, one. Um, talk go about, pick up a copy. Talk about Dead Reckoning Collective. Talk about BP Abate and, and, and what they do. It's a great organization. Uh, the fact that um, when I asked if I could be a member, I thought Tom Schumann, which is, you know, the main coon and the main person that, that started the, the whole you know, organization, I thought, 
he's not going to say yes. You know, it's it's more of an American-run organization for American veterans. And I thought, but I like the idea of, of having a book club, of, of, of getting together and, and talking about it and getting veterans together and not just a book club. They've got, a, I think, a, a fight club, hunt, hunting and so forth, you know. But he said, yeah, if you've served, the lines are open, you know, and yeah, talk about that and talk about people about it and just talk to one another, um, being open, talk about my book, talk about that debt reckoning collective. Um, I would, yeah, I would say that. That's a pretty easy ask around these parts. You're among <laughs> friends on on all of those subjects. Uh, I'll be sure to include links to all of those things in the show notes. Neville, I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing with us. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you for for reaching out. Thank you for for your time. Thank you for for, for the great chats. Um, uh, it's a lot of times it's where again out of my comfort zone, but sitting down and and discussing this and talking this and recording it is is um, it's great. And then something for my kids to maybe um, listen to one day or see one day. So yeah, uh, thank you and appreciate it. <laughs>